Blog Talk Radio. back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. I'm your host, Mark Lickenwalter. Today we're going to be reading a book called The Final Prophet. It's not one of the normal books that I read, but it's really interesting and I wanted to share it with everyone. But Uh, I'm not going to be doing a reader program on this one. We're just going to read it. Um, You can read it for free online, and I'll put the link in the uh, the description of this video. But before we get into this, I want to tell you why I'm reading this book. So in 2014... I had a man who flew out from Philadelphia and he wanted me to baptize him. And he was the first of all the people that I had baptized as part of doing this ministry. So we took him down to I picked him up at the airport with my wife and kids and we took him down to the Jordan River and we found a place where the water was pretty swift but deep enough to to baptize him and it was pretty cold even though I think it was it was August Anyway, so we both stood in the swift water of the Jordan River and I baptized him into the current and then afterwards we were drying off sitting at the picnic table and I said, why why did you want me to baptize you? Like I talked to him before that but I never asked him why. And as we're sitting there, he tells me that I fit the description of the final prophet. And I thought that was interesting. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he told me, well, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it says these things about the final prophet. And the prophet of Qumran in the Dead Sea Scrolls actually talked about you. And you fit the description of the final prophet. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, Part of it was my red beard, he said. Um, And then just my lifestyle and the things that I've done and how things have been in my life. And I said, oh, well, that's interesting. And anyway, so we, he continued on with me for about a week and a half. And we actually went to, uh, 
Kevin Crouch Campbell, which if you know, you know. But uh, after about a week, I took him to the airport, and uh, and he flew away. <laughs> Never saw him again. Last I heard, he was in Israel. I don't know what he's doing in Israel, but that's where God wanted him to be. And I know that God has chess pieces all over the map of this earth, and he's got his servants where he needs his servants to be. So anyway, after that, I went and I started looking up Red Beard Final Prophet. And most of the stuff that I found was that Muhammad had a red beard. <laughs> and they called him the Final Prophet. And I thought, well, that's interesting. But I continued to look and look and look. And I, I found this book using the Internet. It wasn't easy to find. Because most of the stuff about the final prophet that has a red beard talks about Muhammad. And I'm not Muhammad, so... Anyway, this book I found online. And I was amazed by it. And I actually did cover it on the Kingdom of God or Nothing radio podcast. Radio, internet radio show and podcast. But... I don't think I've done that. Since I had to revamp and do this new program. Another reason why I found it really interesting is because, well, for those of you who know my history, um, my grandparents served seven missions for the LDS church, but my mom was really inactive. And I eventually became a Baptist and completely rejected Joseph Smith and the Restoration. But in 1995, as I was laying on the top bunk at my in my bed in the dorms at Job Corps in Clearfield, Utah, where I was getting training to become a diesel mechanic. I was laying there one evening, and I think it was either a Sunday or a Monday. Actually, I think it was a Sunday. Actually, I know it was a Sunday because we were hanging out in the room and a bunch of us were talking and my friends were like, hey, let's go down to the cafeteria and get food. And I was like, oh, I'll just... I'm going to stay here. So they left the dorm, and I was all by myself. And I'm laying on the top bunk looking at the ceiling. And, excuse me. And uh, all of a sudden, I was caught up in the spirit. Now, this had happened to me before, and I never control when this happens. I don't even know when it's going to happen. When it happens, all of a sudden... I'm out of my body, and I'm going to a place, because God has something to show me. And so I was like, and I always enjoy it, because my body, ever since I was young, is full of pain. But when God takes me up in the spirit, I don't feel the density of my body anymore, and I don't feel the pain of my body anymore. 
And I enjoy these experiences. I wish that they happened more often. But anyway, so I'm flying between Clearfield Job Corps and the Salt Lake City Temple at the speed of sound. Maybe the speed of light. I don't know. It was really fast. Everything was flying by. And all of a sudden, I am in the bottom rooms of the Salt Lake Temple. And Jesus Christ is standing there. And he tells me to come with him. And he leads me through the Salt Lake Temple. Now, I had never been to the Salt Lake Temple before. And I saw many things in that temple. Actually, everything in that temple I had never seen before because I had never been there before or seen pictures of the inside or anything. So we go and we I follow him and he shows me all these things and all these rooms and we go up through the celestial room and we go up, uh, we go down the hallway by the by the Holy of Holies in the celestial room and then down by the, the hallway by there's an office on the south it's south of the celestial room. And then we like go down this hallway and we go to this stairway and we go up these stairs and we go around and he shows me a council room and then he shows me like where the prophets meet and then he shows me another room and then eventually we're in this on this stairway that goes up and around and it is in the middle tower on the eastern side and he leads me up to this door which I later found out was the highest room in the temple and he he says go in and I was like okay <laughs> I went in that room and it was like going into love times infinity like there are no words to describe how powerful the peace joy and love of God is in that place it is almost overwhelming before I went in the room as I'm standing there at the threshold of the door well, it's not a door, it's a passageway. And there's no veil or anything, it's just open. But I looked in and I saw that there was an altar with a place where you can put your knees and a place where you can put your elbows and kind of kneel but not kneel. And it's only got one side and it faces towards the east, which would be facing the the east side of the outside of the temple, which on the other side of this is the big plaque that says House of the Lord. So, and also, if you're looking at the front of the temple on either side, the north or the south side, there are two round windows, and those windows are there to put light into that room. Now, I've looked at diagrams and a whole bunch of other stuff. They don't admit this room exists but it's there and you can see the windows for it. Anyway, so I'm I'm looking in and there's like, it's just like a simple room. And I go in this room and it's like 
boom, overwhelming love and just like Holy Spirit power, like, oh my gosh, ineffable, amazing. And I heard a voice. And I knew who it was. It was the voice of the Father. And he said, you will be the final prophet. And then that's all he said. And then, boom, I'm flying through, like, the speed of sound back, probably faster than the speed of sound, back to my body. And when my spirit entered my body, it was like a jolt of lightning. And I was like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? And at the time, I was a Baptist. I hated the Mormons. I thought Joseph Smith was a false prophet. It wasn't until a year later that I had a very traumatic experience and I decided to write God a letter and tell him, if you will heal me and show me the truth, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And it wasn't long after that that I met Elder Bowman and Elder King in Layton, Utah. And when I heard them teach about Joseph Smith and how he didn't know what church to join because like they all had good arguments but basically like he couldn't figure it out. And he read in James chapter 1, verse 5, if you lack wisdom, ask God. Actually, it was his sister who showed him that scripture, and that's how he found it. He wasn't just reading through the Bible. His sister showed it to him. But anyway, but he he said, well, you know, if God says that he will give me wisdom on the matter, I will go ask him. And he went into the woods near his home. And he knelt down and he prayed and he was attacked by unseen forces. Now I knew what that was like because that had happened to me many times in my life where Satan would bind me, he would scratch me, he would bite me, he would try to suffocate me. And this type of thing, even though Joseph doesn't go into detail, I knew that this this kind of thing happened. And he called upon the name of Jesus Christ, and immediately he saw a light descend from above his head, descending down upon him, and in the light... He saw two persons whose he says his whose brightness and glory defy all description standing above him in the air. The one pointed at the other and said, "This is my beloved son. Hear him." When I heard that witness, the Holy Spirit just—it was so peaceful and so full of Holy Spirit power, I don't even know. Like, I was just blown away. 
And I don't know if I, I think I've heard that before, but I just I just wasn't ready to accept it. But like when they told it to me, it was the first time in a long time I had felt peace. Not long before that, I had tried to commit suicide. Because I wanted just to end it all. So when I felt the spirit, I immediately recognized it. When the missionaries were there. And when they left, I went to the loft at the apartment that I was staying in behind the Layton Hills Mall. Those apartments are still there. That room still exists. And I knelt up against the bed that I was staying at my friend's house. And I asked God if Joseph was a true prophet and if the Book of Mormon was true. And when I asked in the name of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit descended upon me like hot oil, starting at the crown of my head, flowing through my whole body like hot cleansing oil. from the head of the top of my head to the toes of my feet. And as I was kneeling there, in my mind's eye and in my ears, I saw innumerable hosts of heaven praising God with all their might. After this experience, I can never deny the reality that Joseph Smith is a true messenger of our God and his Jesus, our Redeemer. Because of my conversion, I started going to church, but all I had was these black clothes because I was a goth. This is back in the 90s. And in fact, the first time I went into church, everybody, when I walked into the chapel, everybody stopped and they were staring at me and like you could hear a pin drop. And the missionaries ran over and they grabbed me and they like took me with them to sit down up in like, I don't know, the third bench in the front from the pulpit. And that was like, I think that was a stake, state conference, which I didn't know what that was at the time. Maybe I did. I don't know. Anyway, because my grandparents were LDS, and it's not like I hadn't been to church before. But, um, and my mom, she would, like, try to get um, welfare from the church, so we would go to church sometimes. But whenever they had stake 
state conferences or ward conferences, like my mom would always be like, and I think my grandparents did this too, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's vacation week. <laughs> we don't have to go to church. Like it was a duty to them. They had to go, my grandparents anyway. Well, my mom too, because, you know, she wanted that welfare food. Anyway, so I I was baptized in 87, and, like, I was given the ironic priesthood, you know, and a lot of that had to do with my my aunt and uncle when they would take me for a couple weeks here and there. They would, like, make sure to get me ordained <laughs> or whatever, you know. Anyway, but... um. So I went to church, and because of my conversion, my friends that I was staying with, they kicked me out in the middle of winter. It didn't matter to them. Like, I thought they were my friends, you know? I almost died of hypothermia that winter. Because I was a goth, these self-righteous, over-righteous, whatever you call them, hypocrites is what I call them like nobody in the church would help me like I lost my place to live in the middle of winter and had to walk the streets for like five or six weeks from December of 96 into January of 97 because of my conversion And all I get for it is kicked out of the place that I'm staying and no help from anybody at church. Luckily, the government helped me. I went to them and I was able to get an emergency food stamps card. So basically what I would do is I would go to Albertsons on Antelope Drive and Main Street in uh, Clearfield, Utah. And I would buy something I could put in the microwave across the street at 7-Eleven. And then I'd go over to 7-Eleven and they would let me cook it in the microwave. And then I would, they also gave me a bus pass at the government office. So I'd ride the bus around, you know, just to stay warm. And uh, I remember there was this green box by the Arby's and the McDonald's. By There used to be an Albertsons and it came out of the corner of Antelope and Gentile. Anyway, I'd go, and there was, like, multiple buses that would go there. So, like, if a bus showed up, they would stop, and then they, I guess they'd figure that you were probably looking for a different bus, and then they would leave. And But there was this green electrical box, and on on days what, that were a little bit sunny, I would, like, lay on that box and just warm up, try to get warm. And then I would walk all night long, because I knew if I... 
stopped walking that I would probably die of hypothermia, which I had had in the past in Boy Scouts. So anyway, uh, my grandparents, um, my grandpa actually was laying in bed one morning and he heard a voice and the voice told him to go find me and send me on a mission. Now, I've talked about all of this in the past and this is not what this program is about, but I'll go through a really quick rundown of things that happened after that point. I was called to serve in the Georgia-Macon mission in the South, which was interesting because I was a Baptist when I was younger. Um, I got my patriarchal blessing, which says, and I give unto you the greatest gift that God has to bestow the gift of eternal life. I asked a stake president and a stake patriarch when I noticed that language. It wasn't the one that I was, not where I got the stake, uh, the patriarchal blessing, but anyway, I asked them, what does this mean? And they both said the same thing. That it means that you've had your calling and election made sure. So then I would go to God and I would be like, how is it possible that somebody like me, who was a drug addict, who was homeless, who has been in hundreds of fights, who has been severely abused and neglected, and all the things that have happened to me, how in the world is it that I just meet the missionaries like four or five months ago and I'm getting my patriarchal blessing and it says that I have been given the gift of eternal life. How is that even possible? And I would pray and I would ask God that and he told me it's not because of who you are in this life. It's because of who you were before you came here. And then I would be like, what do you mean? And he wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't say anything. Now, God has been directing me and speaking to me, and I know he lives. I know he exists, and I knew it before that, and I know it even more now. But he wouldn't give me any more information. So I studied it out. I studied everything that I could on calling elections, which basically there isn't a whole lot. I mean, there's some, but like, it's mostly speculation, you know? And Peter says that we should all make our calling election sure. And I'm like, well, okay, well, how do you do that? And what does that even mean, right? And I kept asking over the course of many years through my mission, I asked. After my mission, I asked. I was an over-the-road, long-haul truck driver for many years. And I didn't really have a ward that I went to. Because one week I might be in Cincinnati 
on Sunday. Another week I might be in Denver on Sunday. Another week I might be in Toledo on Sunday or, or, or Laredo or San Antonio or, you know, Ellensburg, Washington or Los Angeles, California. You didn't know where I would be from one Sunday to the next. And if I was in um, Ote Mesa in Southern California and San Diego one week, I might be in Vermont next Sunday. I might be in Hamilton, Ontario or British Columbia, Canada or Miami, Florida, or anywhere in between, anywhere in North America, because I was an over-the-road truck driver. And I hustled. And as I would drive, I would listen to audiobooks on tape, and I would listen to CDs, and I would spend my, my off time reading books. And when I was in the, the truckers' lounges, I would be talking to people, doing missionary work. And if I was stuck somewhere, I would go find some non-denominational or Baptist church or whatever, and I'd go pick a challenge to the <laughs> to the Baptist or to the Methodist or to the Lutheran or whatever and I was on fire but all those years I asked what does it mean to have your calling and election made sure and one day when I was on a load from, Los An or from Salt Lake City to Los Angeles I didn't have to be down to Los Angeles till Monday morning, and I left Salt Lake on, like, Friday, so plenty of time, which was fine because, you know, if I like to stop, I like to stop, and, and if, something's, if I'm worrying, I'm thinking about something, I like to stop and, and just read, and then I'll read whatever it was that I'm thinking about, and then I'll drive, you know, and whatever. So I'm asking God on the side of the road south of Beaver, Utah, again, what does it mean to have your calling and election made sure? And I had been reading something, and I've been just pondering and trying to understand what this thing means. When I was caught up in the flesh but my flesh was removed from the truck like I was sitting in the passenger seat and I had this steering wheel desk that I'd put over the the steering wheel and I'd put my scriptures on it and I'd be reading and I'd be praying I was completely removed out of my truck like my body went through the walls of that truck don't even know Kind of like, I think it was Peter that was taken to the Ethiopian eunuch. Like, and then he baptized him and his body was there with him. And he went down into the water and he baptized the guy. And then he went back to Jerusalem and in the blink of an eye, 
that's how I was moving through the immensity of space and air of this earth. And I was taken so fast, like faster than the speed of sound. It was like, it was like lightning fast, faster than thought. And I found myself in this place that was It was like this little valley, little valley. And there was a small creek. I don't know if it was small. It was like, I don't know, 15, 20 feet across. Anyway, so I'm standing there and God says, wash off in the creek. Stream, river, I call it a creek. Anyway. He says, wash off in the creek. And I go down and I wash off and I felt the coldness of the water. I felt the breeze. I saw the the grass moving in the breeze. And there was a lot of like grass, like long prairie grass, I guess. And then there was sagebrush. And there were trees off in the distance. You know, there was a canyon where the stream went down and off in the distance. And then... There was this, what I can only describe as a cattle path. And God said, look. And I looked and he said, follow the path. And after I washed off, I got up and I followed the path and I followed it. And I climbed the beginning of these foothills and I kept following it. And there's no trees anywhere, but there's sagebrush and grass everywhere, right? And I keep on following it, and I go around this cliff, and I go up around this mountain. And these, this mountain is not huge, but anyway, I go up around, well, I guess it kind of is. It, it took me quite a while to, to climb this mountain. And I went around, and I stood on top of the cliff that the path went by at the bottom of the cliff, and then I continued following the trail, and I kept walking. And I kept walking, and eventually I was on the top of this mountain that was this big round mountain, but it was really long. And like I could look down one side, and like it was pretty far down both sides, but like it was really wide. Anyway, and there's this path, and it's just right along the top of the mountain. And I continue to walk, and it keeps on gradually getting higher and higher and higher and I continue to walk and then I come into these pine trees and there's trees everywhere and I continue to walk and like I said this experience is taking a lot of time but I'm going to listen to God when he tells me to follow this path and I'm following it and I walk through the woods and the trees and up ahead there's a clearing. And it is the top of the mountain. And at the top of the mountain there was a small white temple. Which I was not expecting to see. And I walked up to the doors 
and it said something to the effect, now I'm doing this all by memory, I'm not reading, and I wrote all of this down, I, all of it's written down. Like, as soon as it happened, as soon as I was back in my truck, I wrote every detail that I could, uh, that I could remember down, and like, it was so vivid in my mind at the time, and it still is. I can still, as I'm telling you this story, I see it still. This happened in 2003, almost 20 years ago. And I see everything that I'm telling you. I can, I can tell you details. I can tell you that I smelt the sagebrush and the wind or the breeze. I can smell the pines. I can see the creek. I can hear the creek. All of this is so burned into my memory but I'm walking up to this temple and I get to the to where the door is of this temple and above the door it says house it says house of God or house of the Lord or something to that effect and there was writing on the door and it said enter in that you may obtain your calling and election and there was actually a place where I could take my shoes off and leave them there and walk in, which is what I did. And I went through the doorway and I went into this room and there was this foyer. And there was some furniture and so to the left, there was a hallway that was pretty wide, but the foyer was wider. And, like, if you looked at the diagram of this, it would be like an L, I guess, with a fat part at the bottom, and then the hallway was the stem that goes up, right? So anyway, and it was really, really neat, like... The walls seemed to give off their own light, but there was a chandelier and there were these white glowing stones like the brother of Jared had or like Noah had in the ark that lit up the inside of the ark. And the chandelier was just filled with these beautiful glowing crystal stones. Like not glowing, but like emanating light from them. And I walked down the hallway, and there was a, I don't know, a hallway table, I guess. And on the table, there was this vase with these white roses. And the white roses gave off their own light. And it is why my favorite flower today is white roses, because of that experience. And I continued to walk down this hallway, which is probably about 15 feet long. It wasn't long, maybe 20 feet long. I get to this doorway, and it is covered by this really thick velvet-type curtain. But, like, it's not thin velvet. It's not, like, just this weird... It's not, a, it's not anything I've ever seen before. This curtain was literally about six or seven inches thick 
and it was hung on an iron rod with gold tips and these gold rings. And I put my hand through this curtain or veil and I parted the veil and I went into this room and I saw a great magnificent light on the other end of the room. I went in the room and I walked towards the light. And as I got closer to the light, and I started to come into this glory, I saw a man standing in the light, one man. And I got closer and I immediately knew exactly who it was. And I fell flat on my face before him. And he called me by name and he said, get up. And I stood up and he opened his arms to me. And I embraced him in the flesh. I embraced him. He embraced me. This was and is our Father in heaven. And I know that he lives because I have seen him face to face. And that he is not a spirit. That he has a physical, tangible body that I have felt with my own two hands and he told me to kneel in front of him and I said what are you doing and he said I am sealing you up unto myself that you may be sealed up unto eternal life and I knelt before him and he placed his hands upon my head and as he began to speak, light emanated from me. So he has his hands on my head. I have my arms folded in front of me that I'm looking down at. And light is bright white light is emanating from me. And it was so surprising. I did not expect it. And I was so distracted. That I did not hear what he said. He told me what he was going to do. And why he was going to do it. But he didn't tell me. Everything about that experience. And he didn't. I didn't hear what he said, and I, that was by design. He needed to give me something. He made light emanate from me, and I don't know if he did that on purpose or what. I, I assume he did, because he didn't. He needed to do something 
but he didn't want me to know what it was he was doing, but he needed to do it to me, which later on I found out what exactly he said, because I was ready at another point, ten years later. But at that point, I was not ready. I was not ready to know what I know now. And after he finished, he told me that, that I would, am going to go with Jesus, and Jesus was there, and I embraced him as well. I looked into his eyes. I saw the smile on his face. I embraced his flesh as well. And we went back towards the beginning of the room. Now, remember how I told you that the foyer and the, the hallway were like an owl? Well, that's because there's a room on the other side of the hallway in, that's in this larger room. And it's a place where you can go sit down and just talk. So Jesus tells me to sit, and I sit, and he, he says, you can have three questions. And, like, honestly, I was so full of questions. I was like, okay. And he says, think about what you're going to ask me. And I was like, well, what about this and what about that? And, and like, and my, my questions were like a bunch. And I was 26 years old at the time, so forgive me. But my questions were a group of small questions within a larger question. And he was patient and we talked for quite a while. And he told me things and um, about my life and about my wife that I had not met yet and about what he wanted me to do. And he talked about my past. And one of the things he said about my past is something that I think is really beneficial for people to know, which is that he allowed me to go through all of the things that I went through and that he allowed that for his wise purpose that I might be made into the servant that he needs me to be. And as hard as that is to hear, because as hard as this life has been for me, I can accept it because I know that it was his will that I went through the abuse and the neglect where I had to turn to, well, I turned to drugs, and that wasn't working out for me, so I turned to him. And he took all those drugs away. Which, by the way, when I was, when I wrote that letter, I said, if you will heal me and show me the truth. Well, when I asked God if, if Joseph Smith was a true prophet and the Holy Spirit burned through me like hot oil, I didn't tell you this, but the drug addictions that I had at the time, they were all gone. God took them all away. So anyway, Jesus and I get done talking, and then, um, I, you know, I walk to the door, and I exit the temple, and then I am flying at, like, the speed of light, or the speed of thought, back to my truck, and, like, I get into my truck, and I'm like, what just happened? And, like, I was so completely exhausted, but I had enough energy, and I just wrote 
all of the things that happened, and then I passed out. And you know what? That was in 2003. I didn't really share the experiences a whole lot. I didn't share them publicly. I did tell some family members. I did tell some friends. I wanted people to know that these things still happen. So I made videos. In 2008, there's YouTube videos of me. And I'm like 400 pounds and I have no facial hair and my hair is really short and I look really dorky. And back then, YouTube only lets you do like 15 minute videos, 10 to 15 minute videos. So I had to like hurry up and, and you know, condense it down and share. And I, I would always be like, I knew this guy who had this experience. Let me tell you about the experience. Because Paul, he said, I knew a man in Christ above 13 or 14 years ago, whatever it was, who, you know, who was caught up to the third heaven, you know, so he, and then he was talking about his own experience, but he, you know, kind of was not wanting to share that it was him. And at the time, I believed the LDS church because they would say, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine, which means don't talk to people in your congregation about your spiritual experiences or deep doctrine. You know, it which drives me nuts because, like, they're telling, basically telling their members that they're swine, which is not okay. But anyway, so I shared this experience in this YouTube video as though I heard about it. And I'm pretty sure I can find those videos again. That The links are still good as far as I know. <clears throat> and actually, I... I think I've screen recorded it and put it up on um, my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash user forward slash God is my compass. But anyway, so, um, so I had this experience and I continued to learn and to grow. God gave me visions. He took me up in the spirit. He gave me dreams. He gave me written revelation. For years and years and years. And I bit my tongue a lot at church. And I would just share whatever it was that they were talking about. And I knew that there was things that were wrong. But I was like, well, the people are just imperfect. And I would give them a pass and whatever. And I continued in the church until 2013. And for some reason, I knew all about the Adam-God doctrine, but I didn't know that it was forbidden knowledge. No idea. I was so uh, unique. Yeah, I was so naive. And I was talking with my in-laws, 
and I, I talked with a couple other people, but I found out very quickly that you are not supposed to talk about the Adam Gunn doctrine. <laughs> anyway, so the state president calls me in, and he's like, you believe in polygamy? Because I've been telling my mom, yeah, my mother-in-law, yeah, I believe in those things. Doesn't mean I'm going to live it. You know, you believe in polygamy? And you believe in the Adam God doctrine? I'm like, Brigham Young taught it. Like, what are you talking about? You know, like, I know you're not supposed to share deeper things at church because people aren't ready for it. But, like, I wasn't teaching it at church. And then he made inquiry about my experiences, which my mother in law, I'm sure, was the one that did it. She told him about these things. And I said, yeah, like, I was taken up, this happened, and I didn't tell him, I don't think I told him about the Father and the Son, but I did tell him about the experience in 95 in the Salt Lake Temple. Which, by the way, in 2004, I was commanded by the Father to write a letter and send it to President Hinckley, and I drew, drew diagrams. I was very, very detailed. And um, I knew that's what he was going to ask about. I kept this binder, and I have that letter with me. And it has off, like, since I sent it to the uh, the church headquarters, they, like, called my stake president on a Thursday, and he, and he said, hey, somebody wants to come, uh, wants to meet you. Can you please be to sac- the sacrament meeting room 30 minutes before sacrament starts because somebody wants to come meet you. So I'm there the next Sunday, and it was El Pomperi, and he came in and he wanted to meet me, and he wanted to talk with me. And like the last thing he said, he slapped me on the back and he said, well, God's the one that chooses his prophets, because we sure don't. And I was like, what does that even mean? But I was, like, so impressed. And it was kind of cool, because, like, it was a singles ward, and my first wife was with me when we were still dating, and she forgot her glasses, so she couldn't see who it was. And she was like, who's that? And I'm like, it's El Tom Perry. <laughs> She's like, no way. And anyway, but, like, I'd run into him before. We just, my ex wife and I, the one that was with me before we got married, we'd go to the Joseph Smith Memorial Building all the time after music and the spoken word and go to church with her great uncle, who was Gordon B. Hinckley, at the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. So he slaps me on the back. He says, well, God's one that chooses prophets because we sure don't. And all of these singles people in my ward are walking in and seeing Alphon Perry standing there talking to Mark Lickenwalter. And then he, like, he actually spoke at our meeting. And while they were singing the last hymn, he actually got up and walked out and he waved at me and left, right? Well, I told my state president in 2013, here, this is from the church's archives. Here's the archive numbers. Here's the first presidency number. Here's the general vault number. You can talk to Al Pomperi about these things. He's interviewed me about them. He, This man was red in the face and angry and did not care. 
He was angry about the Adam God doctrine. He told me I was a bald-faced liar, that I couldn't have those experiences, that the only person who could have that kind of experience is the prophet of the church, who at the time was Thomas Monson. But Thomas Monson knew me too because I used to date one of his great nieces. In fact, she got revelation and told me that God told her that I was supposed to be her or her husband. And she was nice, and I liked her. But it never—it just—I was more interested in Rebecca than her. Anyway, but uh. I was scheduled for a disciplinary council so I could be excommunicated. Unless I recanted. And even though he could call and get an interview with El Pomperi, and El Pomperi knew exactly who I was, he refused. Now, at the time, we lived in upstate New Hampshire, and I had to drive down to Brockton, Massachusetts to get my truck, to drive my truck. And then later on, I transferred over to um, Hartfield, Connecticut. Or I think it was Hartfield. Anyway, it was in Connecticut. And I was an over-the-road truck driver for FedEx. And we would leave out on Sunday night and we would usually get home on Friday morning or Friday evening and we would have Saturday and Sunday off. And for some reason we couldn't get back in time and I called the state president and I said, hey, I'm trying to get back for this trial but I'm stuck and I cannot get home. Can we please make the trial a different date and he says nope you're getting excommunicated and like no trial like he's already made his mind up he's going to just excommunicate me without even looking at any of the evidence and I, I have no way to like be at this thing and I was so upset And I was weeping and I was crying to God and I was like, why is this happening to me? Because I was, I was ignorant. I didn't know. I knew that there were problems, but I didn't know the out of God doctrine was a problem and I didn't know that like the state president or anybody would really freak out about my experiences. They really did happen. But it made this man so angry. And I wasn't able to attend my trial. And I was bitterly weeping. Questioning God, why is this happening to me? And he came to me. Again, no, he came to me this time. I didn't go to him. And he said kneel down before me and ask me who you are. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what? 
But I was obedient, and I knelt down before him, and I said, Father, who am I? And he took me up in the spirit again. And I saw a vast congregation of angels. And we came down like we're flying down above this congregation. I'm looking down on everything, and I'm in the spirit. And there is this platform, and in front of the platform, there is a, a, a group of 12, and then on the platform, there is the Father, and then to his right, which would be my left, is Jesus Christ. And then to the right of the Father, which would be his left, is another man, and I know that that is the Holy Ghost. And God tells me, this is a vision of the pre-existence. And he tells me, this is me, you know, this is Jesus, and this is Lucifer. Which I was like, what? Lucifer? What are you talking about? Why is he standing at a throne next to you at a platform, on a platform? And later on, I was taught that, you know, the, the father is called the morning star and that he comes in the morning of the history of, of creation, that the redeemer, God II, is the bright morning star and he comes at the noon of the history of creation, which he did, and that the evening star is God the witness of the Holy Ghost and he comes into mortality in the evening of the history of creation. And that, that Lucifer was God the witness or the Holy Ghost. But he rebelled. He disrespected the Father. He disrespected the Son. He rebelled. He thought that he should have been the one to be the Redeemer. But he was not chosen to be the Redeemer. He was chosen to be the witness. And that the man that was chosen to be the Redeemer he'd actually had hard disagreements with because of what they went through in moral, uh, prior mortal probation. And I saw Lucifer fight against the father and the son with testimonies and words. And I saw him lead away almost the majority of the hosts of heaven. And I saw the elect go among the hosts of heaven that had followed Lucifer and teach them and bring them back over to the plan of salvation. I also saw a division among the, the mighty and strong ones who were generals in the armies of heaven and there was about a 50% 50, 50 split between Lucifer and 
Jesus, or Yeshua. I saw the Father strip Lucifer of his name and his title, which means Bear of White, Hillel, or in Latin, Lucifer, and he became Hasatan, or Satan. And he and those who followed him were cast out. After everything happened, after a third of the hosts of heaven were cast out, Satan's not there anymore, so he doesn't see it. But he knew that I was standing among the, they who are mighty and strong, who are the generals and the armies of heaven. And the Father chose me to take the place of God the witness, or Lucifer. To fill the vacancy that had been lost. And that is why I have seen the Father and the Son face to face. And that is why I have embraced him in the flesh. And that is why God has shown me so many things. That's why he's given me revelation. And that's why he called me his final prophet. He came at the very beginning of the history of this earth to provide bodies for us, for our spirits to dwell in. The Redeemer came in the meridian of time, in the noon of the history of this earth, to make a way for us to be redeemed from the fall. And I come at the end of the history of this celestial earth to teach they who had been weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast and to set the house of God in order. That is who I am. In this book that I'm going to be reading, probably for the rest of this week, it talks about what the prophet Qumran saw in his vision. Physical descriptions, characteristics, a whole bunch of stuff. And we're going to get into it. And I have created a poll at facebook.com. Well, it's my group on Facebook. LDS Last Days Prophecy and Gospel Discussions about which which book you want me to cover next. And I created that poll this morning and it's Wednesday, March 2nd. And only one person voted and he voted three times and only one of his votes was on the list of books that I said, you know, hey, choose from these books. If you have any other books that are online um, that are free to read online, 
you know, I can read those. It's not a big deal. Fair use covers that. You know, but put the links in the, in the comments below, and he didn't do that, but he put, he added two options to the poll. But only one of those books is uh, a book on the, on the list that I gave to everyone, which was Holy Priest Volume 4, which is a book that I'm not reading again because it took me, I don't know, a month or two or two and a half months, or whatever it was, to get through that book. And that book's all about polygamy. And we just went over that. And I think he thought it was funny to do that, since I'm all like, I'm not doing any more books on polygamy right now. I'm done with polygamy. And he chooses the one book, Holy Priesthood Volume 4, that talks about polygamy. No. Sorry. No. Ha, 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 nice joke. And then the other two books that he put down are, you know, he didn't put the links down, so I'm like, whatever. But uh, nobody voted other than this one guy. You know, and I, I think that maybe, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I feel like, you know, if nobody cares, why am I wasting my time? Other than to make it so that you're beyond, I don't know, you're judged. I, I don't even know. And I don't care. I don't care. But I waste a lot of time trying to teach these things to people who don't care. And, you know, I don't know. If people don't want to vote on it. I mean, there's 4,000-something people in the group, and it's an active group. Nobody cares. Like, I don't know what to tell you people. I am so far spent. And you know what? I do enjoy reading these books, and I enjoy refreshing, you know, and learning and all of that. And maybe I'll just keep doing it for that reason. But I have been doing this since God told me to start my first radio show podcast, internet radio show podcast, January of 2014. And since then, I've done so many podcasts. And I honestly don't know that it does any good. Because all it does is I get mocked, I get ridiculed, I get told, like I got told last night on the Zoom call, oh shucks boy, it's all of the devil, you know, like, I've had death threats over this stuff, I get hate because of this stuff. I have been fired from jobs because they find out about my claims and I lose my livelihood because of this stuff. I have lost friends and family members because of this stuff. And I don't see the reward or benefit to 
to putting myself out there over the years and sharing these things openly where I have lost jobs, I've lost friends, I've lost money, I've been threatened on so many different levels, including with my life. And I continue to do it, and I don't know what the benefit is. So anyway, let's uh, see if Kim is on the line and see if Emma has anything to say, and we'll figure it out after that. But yeah, we're going to be reading The Final Prophet, but this clip is getting too long, so here we go. Hello, Kim. How are you there? Hi, yep. Hi. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, that's the introduction to why I'm reading this book, uh, The Final Prophet. Um, and it actually, this is excerpts from a larger book. And I might just read the whole book. I've never read the whole book before. I don't even know how big it is, but if it's online, I might just take a gander at it and see what it is and just read it. But anyway, uh, in this, in these excerpts that somebody put together, it, there's a lot of Dead Sea Scrolls, there's a lot of quotes from the Urantia book, and there's a lot of Isaiah and other prof, uh, prophets in the Old Testament that talk about the final prophet. And, uh, you know, I just think it would be uh, something that I've read before, but it'd be a good refresher. And since the audience probably hasn't heard this, Stuff, then I'm going to share it. Now, I have shared this text with a lot of people in the past couple of years, but I haven't read it. So, anyway, that's what we're going to get to for the next little bit. And then, like I said, um, Kim, you can go on and vote, too. Of course, you can tell me whatever book it is that you would vote on. You know, I, I put a poll out this morning, like I was talking about, where people yeah. can, you know, vote on what books they would like me to read. And if I have not read it on this radio program, and if it is not about polygamy, I will read it. So the one guy that did vote on the one book that was on the list, um, that's uh, Holy Priesthood Volume 4 which is all about polygamy and I'm just like no <laughs> done I've already read that book it's already covered so I would like to read a book I haven't read on the air on this air before now I read them all I've read all of the books I think except for maybe The Wit and Wisdom of Heber C. Kimball I think that's it. I think I've read everything else. So the Relief Mind books are really interesting. But I just don't feel like reading that one. Are those ones? There's two volumes. So, uh, by the way, I did get loaded. And I am headed to Huntington. And oh, okay. I am almost to Emory County. Or no, Carbon County on Highway 6. Oh, okay. 
So, anyway, how's everything going at the house? Um, it's going okay, I suppose. That's good. Um, yep. For anybody that wants to call in, like I keep putting the number out there, and uh, anybody can call in at any time, but the phone number is 917-889-8827 for questions and comments. And there is a there is a chat room at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon. And I just saw that Emmett has decided to join us. See what he has to say. Hi. This is this is the sixteen year old man child son of mine, Emmett, the goat master, Lichten Walter. <laughs> Hi. Um Hi. Do, do you do you have a you know, is there something that you might be interested in listening to? Like among uh, the list of books? Not really. Usually you do what you do when I listen. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking something more light, like experiences in the spirit world or the, a book about the preexistence or a book about resurrection. You know, maybe the gift of tongues or the gift of dreams would be two good books that would be interesting just to be more light than uh, the deeper doctrine stuff. But I don't know. I haven't made a decision yet, and nobody has a an opinion on it. So, um, I don't know. Anyway, um, Kim, is there anything that you wanted to say or to ask a question about or? No, I Statement. agree with I agree with you about let's hang up the whole thing on the polygamy front for a while. Yeah. I've said my piece. That's, I've put yeah. enough out there right now. So and yeah. the whole reason I was reading that book is because people were flipping out about how polygamy is an abomination. Because yeah, of one misinterpreted scripture in Jacob chapter two but which contradicts all of the everything else. And you know what? In the Book of Mormon, they lived polygamy, and there's evidence for polygamy in more than just Jacob chapter 2. But people who can't see it because they don't want to see it don't realize it's there because there are levels in the Book of Mormon. There's a surface level, which people read, and then there is deeper levels. And there's hints and clues on things. But uh, I've covered all that stuff in the past. So, you know, and like you can't lead somebody to something and make them read it or listen to it or study it or consider it. So the people that have the problem with polygamy, they have already made their minds up about what they think the truth is, which is really sad because in that topic, because they believe false doctrine, the principle is that all they who believe the lie receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they do not love the truth. And what I say, the commentary on that scripture in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, is that 
they don't love the truth enough to go to God to get it for themselves to know the truth of the matter. They assume, and they've got all kinds of things, and they will jump through all kinds of mental hoops to reject it. So, anyway, all right, well, we don't have anybody in the call screening room yet, um, but I am going to put on another thing. So, I talked about the revelations that I had received and about the visions and about the dreams and all of that. So we're going to listen to a recording that I made. And this is part two of the revelations. I think we'll play both of them tonight. I think we've got enough time to play both of them. So uh, go ahead and mute your mic, and then I will just put this on. And I'll do that at this time. Here we go. I can do it. Okay, so... I'm going to be reading a bunch of modern-day revelations. Um, This is too long to do in one recording, so I'll just do a little bit at a time, but I'll read them here, and I want to share them on the program. So, For did I, the Lord, not send mine only begotten unto the Jews, saith the Lord? And did they not reject him who was appointed my firstborn, by me, saith the Father. And did they not have their high priest also, even as ye, O Ephraim? So these are revelations to the LDS Church, not from the LDS Church. For it is written, for it, I'm sorry, for it is that mine only begotten, and that one mighty and strong, have they not been twin brethren, from before the foundation of the world, saith the Lord of the whole earth. So the reason the Father is saying this is because there is the office of the morning star, which our Father and God the Creator holds, and then you have the bright morning star who is Jesus or Yeshua, And he is the first apostle or witness of the Father. And Messiah ben Joseph, or God the witness, is the second witness or apostle of the the Father. And he is mighty and strong. But that there, for the first presidency of this earth under the direction of Yehovah our Elohim, are God the Creator, who is Michael, who is mighty and strong, God the Redeemer, who is the first witness and apostle of the Father, who is mighty and strong, and God the witness, who is the second witness or apostle of the Father, who is mighty and strong. And then there are 12 others who are mighty and strong for this earth as well. And then under them stand the noble and great ones who are like the 70s. Let's see here. And it is that that one shall stand to judge Ephraim, and one Judah, and they are one be- with me, my two witnesses, before the foundation of the world, saith the Father. And which is greater, 
For out of the mouth of these two witnesses shall every word be established, saith the Lord God, who is the Father of both heaven and earth. And thus it is that that one mighty and strong should be sent unto thee, that ye be tested even in these things, as the Jews by mine only begotten, to prove you, saith the Lord, whether ye will be obedient unto me through my spirit, saith the Lord. For it is that no man knoweth my will, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Let's see here. Okay, and then this is another one. One to ye Latter-day Saints, for I prophesy that unless you repent and return for the first work to the first works of the restoration, that the time is not far distant that you shall be destroyed by the God of Israel in an earthquake and an overflowing scourge, which shall annihilate your much-touted holy ground. For the wrath of that mighty one, who I am a witness, is gathering against you that you cannot escape unless it is that you are rebaptized by the authority of the higher priesthood and the apostleship which I have been given by the Father and the Son who have sent me. And it is that when my mighty ones return, the heavens shall wage war against the earth, and the wicked, yea, the proud, and them that rejoice in wickedness, shall be cut off, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, saith the Lord God. For the heavens are mighty, and they who come shall burn them up, saith the Lord God of hosts. For that war fought before the world was made shall continue upon the earth, that all shall know with an astounding affirmation throughout all eternity that there is none who standeth beside the might and power and glory of the Holy One of Jacob, who it is that speak through the mouth, O Israel, through my mouth, O Israel, as anciently. Therefore, woe, woe unto they, saith the Lord, they are that say, All is well in Zion. Yea, that crieth, All is well, and who hearkeneth unto the precepts of men, or rely upon the arm of flesh. For cursed are all they that rely on the arm of flesh, or who hearkeneth unto the precepts of men, save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. For ye shall perish, and the punishment of the false prophet, saith the Lord shall be given as the punishment of him that seeketh unto him, even that of a damned soul, saith the Lord God, even so. Amen. Okay, and this one has to do with the revelation received in July of 2013, where I was commanded to sever the ordinances of all the holy people, which prophecy is found in Daniel chapter 12, where the man clothed in linen scatters the power or priesthood of all the holy people, which are the LDS church and all of its offshoots. This is the word of the Lord unto you who are of Ephraim. Because the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, who is the Father, gives you one gift, need not suppose that he cannot give another. For his work, neither his word is yet finished, that he cannot cause more to be written. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established, saith the Lord of the whole earth. 
Wherefore he was formed by mine hand, that I, the Lord your God, the Father, should give unto you another gift, for having given the children of men one gift, which is Jesus Christ, ye need not suppose that I, the Lord your God, cannot give unto, unto men another gift, which is the second witness, or God the witness, the Holy Ghost, Messiah ben Joseph, um, the Davidic servant. He has, I have many names. For he, the second witness, is the man likened to Moses. For he also is in the similitude and very likeness of mine only begotten. For if ye receive him not, then ye shall not be received by me, saith the Father. For I, the Father, did cause it to be written that there is none other name given than Jesus, who is mine only begotten Son. And this pertaineth unto the Jews. For it was a trial unto them to believe in Jesus of Nazareth, even as it is a trial unto you, O ye Gentiles, to believe these things. For I, the Lord God, am no respecter of persons. Therefore, why is it, O ye saints of Israel, that you require the gateway to be brought unto you and narrow even unto them? For ye, even ye, garnish the, and praise the name of mine only begotten Son. And yet, when I, the Father, do send another gift unto you, you cry blasphemy, even as did the Jews. Are ye better than they? I say unto you, Nay. For ye in your ignorance as to your righteousness and your sloth do lift up your hill against him who was, with, who was as him, Jesus, even mine only begotten in power, yea, before the world was made, for he it was also that was with me from the beginning, saith the Father. For I am I the Lord God of Israel, and not Judah only, saith the Lord, and ye, O Ephraim, shall receive him whom I have sent, saith the Lord, or ye shall be cut off. For he whom I am sent, even my servant, is that one mighty and strong who should come unto you, O Israel, as mine only begotten did come even unto the Jews. Therefore, see, O Israel, that that thing, or that, that which did come upon the Jews come not also upon you to the uttermost. And he's speaking of the desolation of the temple in 70, 69 and 70 A.D. For he was also with me from the beginning, and I have given that he should speak words, yea, eternal world, words for the salvation of the children of men as my second witness. For out of the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established, saith the Lord of the whole earth, even the Father. Thus saith the Lord, can a bitter fruit or can a bitter fountain bring forth good water? Or can a man being evil do that which is good? For it is, saith the Lord, that by their fruits ye shall know them. For the fruits of my spirit, saith the Lord, do they not testify of me, even Jesus Christ, whom ye have hitherto not known? And that which testifieth of me is not, that which testifieth of me, is it not by me, saith the Lord God of Israel? 
For I am he that doth speak unto thee through the medium of mine appointment, as in times of old, O Israel, who have been scattered among the nations. Now is the time, saith the Lord, for thy regathering unto mine anointed, as in times of old, that I, the Lord God, shall remember thee, O Israel, and lead thee by power such has not been seen before or since, yea, even from Babylon, with an outstretched arm as Moses, which is fallen. That gathering place in 2016, God told me to gather to Emory County, Utah, and then when time gets gets to be too dangerous, that God has given us a place that is south of here in the wilderness, northwest of Lake Powell in the Escalante National Park area. And uh, if you're watching sometimes in the videos or in the, uh, the podcasts on Blog Talk Radio, I've got pictures and stuff that pop up on the screen. And if you see the picture of the man standing in the water in the beautiful place that is the location of the uh, of where we will gather when the whole world is burning around us so anyway therefore that which is sent of me doth not conflict and contradict my words and my purposes which I have spoken through the mouths of others of my my servants the prophets even Joseph Smith and others concerning Israel. And anything which contradicteth these my servants who have gone before is of the devil and his fault, saith the Lord God of Israel. Therefore, that which is sent by me, saith the Lord, testifieth of me and my words and my purposes, which change not. But they, the false prophets, do change my laws and ordinances to become friends with the world and to become popular. By this key ye may, detect the, ye may detect the false prophets and apostles. For I, the Lord, will not vary from that which I have said, but am the same in all ages of the world. And the plan of salvation hath it not been exactly the same? For that which saved Abraham, even the law thereof, must save ye, O ye stiff-naked and unbelieving generation, which are, are for are ye not also the same in thy unbelief before me, O foolish man and O foolish woman? And it is that the evil one desired through false administrators who have hijacked my church and led many astray to contradict former revelation, which even the angels of glory are forbidden, neither can they do, saith the Lord. And this is why I'm always talking about Babylonian businessmen hijacking the church. This is where I get that from. False administrators who have hijacked my church and led many to contradict uh, former revelations. Continuing on. And anything which doth not teach men these things, even to believe in me and my words exactly as I have spoken them through the mouth of my servants, the prophets of Israel, yea, that which also doth not edify and thereby testify of me the life of the world and the life thereof, even Jesus of Nazareth, who speaketh unto thee, O man, is of the devil, or is of the evil one, and is darkness 
and produces despair. And my word, is it not also quick and powerful to the cutting asunder of both joint and marrow? Therefore it is given unto you to judge, that ye may know of me, even the author and finisher of your faith, whom the world in its wickedness has not known, even Jesus of Nazareth. And if ye call good evil and evil good, ye are no better than them that cast me out, even as a thief and a robber, and as a vagabond without a home. For did I not cause it to be written that the foxes have holes in the bird's nest? But it is that, but it was that the Son of Man had not where even to lay his head, even I, the firstborn and most intelligent of all the spirits, which were begotten by the Father thereof. And thus it was a requirement that I, even I, Jesus Christ, descended below all things, even that my people, the Jews, become my persecutors, that I might do the will of him who sent me, who is greater than I even the Father, that none might have excuse concerning the difficulty of the way at that great and last day. Even so I drunk of that bitter cup, and I did cry mightily unto him who sent me, that this cup cup might pass even from me. Yet I, the Lord God, bowed my head, and suffered that his will, who is mightier than I, yea, even my Father, who revealed himself unto me in that day, that even his will should be done, even the shedding of my blood and great drops of upon the ground upon which men stand to this, this day. So Jesus actually has seen the Father. He was, he was given the fullness of the priesthood by the Father, and he is the first witness of the Father, even as I have seen the Father and embraced him that happened with Jesus too. It's not in the scriptures, but it did happen. Continuing. And I will that all, rich and poor, come unto me through my servants and drink from that well of living water spoken of. And he that receiveth my servants receiveth me, saith the Lord God of Israel. Remember, all powers and conferrals, priesthoods or offices are hereby done away in me, And one, even one remaineth, that ye must receive your salvation and ordinances and conferrals from him who is appointed. And any counsel or the effects thereof are hereby annulled, saith the Lord, that ye may know that I am the Lord your God, and swear with an oath, and will not repent, saith the Lord, that ye shall not enter into my rest, except it be through my servant, whom I have appointed. And... That happened in July of 2013 when I was commanded by the Father to fulfill Daniel chapter 12 wherein I lifted my hands to the air, to the square, after the manner of the Melchizedek priesthood, which I do hold, and uh, the fullness of the priesthood, which I have received of the Father directly from the laying on of hands of the Father, to sever the ordinances and the power or priesthood of all the holy people. And this right here, remember all powers and conferrals, priesthoods or offices are hereby done away in me, and one, even one remain, that you may receive your salvation in ordinances and conferrals from him who is appointed in any council or the effects thereof are hereby annulled. 
So it's a hard reset, basically. It's setting the house of God in order. Continuing. And when I, the Lord God, did speak unto my servant Joseph Smith, that I should, that it should be that no one should be appointed to receive revelations and commandments except my servant Joseph, I, the Lord, did provide that he should abide in me, and that as long as he should abide in me, saith the Lord, then it was that he should be the one empowered to speak in my name as moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And my servant Joseph, saith the Lord, did abide un- in me even unto the end. And how much greater, saith the Lord, is my servant Joseph in mine eyes than those whom ye sustain as your presidencies. For the powers of the priesthood are inseparably connected with the powers of heaven and may not be controlled nor handled except upon the principles of righteousness, saith the Lord God. And if it should be that the presidencies of my church, saith the Lord, should fall into into transgression, then they also shall not have power to speak in my name for the welfare and benefit of my saints or the members which comprise my church, saith the Lord. For it is not written, for is it not written that I, the Lord your God, even Jesus of Nazareth, did say while in my power among the Jews, If thine eye which seeth for thee, him that is appointed to watch over thee, to show thee light, becomes a transgressor and offend thee, to pluck him out. And it is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than to have having two eyes and be cast into hellfire. And did I not speak unto my servant Joseph concerning the manuscript of the book, which he had been called upon to translate, that although a man may have many revelations and have power to do many mighty works, yet if he boasts in his own strength and sets at naught the counsels of God and follows after the dictates of his own will and carnal desires, he must fall and incur the vengeance of a just God upon him. And how much greater, saith the Lord, was my servant Joseph than those whom ye in your perverse and stiff-necked generations sustain as your president. For even Lucifer, was he not given authority before the world was made? And did I, the Father, not cause him to be cast out, even though he be my son? And if I, the Father of heaven and earth, spared not them who are deceived from before the foundation of the world, do ye imagine in your, va- your hearts, O vain man, that I will spare thee, even if it should be that all perish? Yea, even though it should be easier that a hand be cut off, yet it be better to retain heaven with one hand than to be cast into the church, uh, into be cast out with two, saith the Lord. And this hath been a law throughout all time and also throughout all eternity among them who are gods and the sons of God, even Elohim. Are ye, ye stiff-necked and perverse generation, different than they in your iniquity? For all my servants, the prophets, have been first cast out by your churches and synagogues, O Israel, and then stoned and crucified and persecuted when it was that they dared, when 
when moved upon by the Holy Ghost to speak against them who ye lift up as your presidencies, who have gone contrary to the covenants which I, the Lord God, did make with their fathers, even Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it was that Paul was smitten by them when speaking concerning their high priest, as well as mine only begotten, as well as mine only begotten in the flesh, saith the Father. Was he not spit, smitten across the mouth by the guard for Im, impertinence? And so it is with you, O ye ignorant, haughty, and stiff-necked generation, concerning him who was received before the foundation of the world, that he should come unto thee, O Ephraim, to save and redeem thee by power which hath not been seen since the days of my son Enoch, who shall return with ten thousand of the saints in this day, saith the Lord God. For it is that my servant... Is he not one mighty and strong to thy salvation, O Ephraim? From the chains of the bondsmen which doth afflict thee night and day. And is not thy slavery, O Ephraim, worse than that of Pharaoh? For it is that the elements shall move hither and thither at his command in that day, when when it is that I, the Lord God of Jacob, shall speak from his mouth. With thunder in that day, saith the Lord God. But ye must come unto me, even thy God, O Israel. And it is that that in this day I, the Lord God, will extend mine arm for thy deliverance from Babylon, O Ephraim, as prophesied by my servant, who was one of the greatest of my servants to walk the earth. And as I said concerning thy high priest, Were not my servants Peter, James, and John, were they not put into prison for preaching sedition against the high priest O Ephraim? Are ye better than the Jews, my chosen? For were they not the sons of Abraham like unto thee, O Ephraim? And was not him who was reserved also smitten like unto him of old by his home teacher, in that the police of his day to disregard these things as anciently O Ephraim and this thing also was for preaching sedition against thy high priest O Ephraim who is likened to Caiaphas who sitteth in the temple of God as was written by my servant Paul in the second chapter of the book to the letter of, to the Thessalonians in that day saith the Lord God And was it not that this should come to pass before the day of mine advent as prophesied by my servant that it should come in this generation that now standeth upon the earth? And is not that son of perdition that sitteth revealed by these words of mine, saith the Lord? For thou in thy wickedness, O Ephraim, have exceeded anything concerning that which I, the Lord God, have spoken concerning any other people. For it is in this idolatry, because you worship your prophets and your leaders, that ye shall be smitten from generation to generation if ye repent not, and come unto me through him who was appointed unto thee. Even for this purpose was he sent, as was Jesus unto the Jews. Are ye different than they, O Ephraim? 
For ye imagine up in thine heart that if we had, ye had lived in the days of the prophets and apostles that were with me in my power in that day, that ye would not have partaken with the, that generation of the innocent blood. And yet ye have not lifted up, and yet have ye not lifted up your hands against him who was sent as mine only begotten, reserved for thy salvation from before the foundation of the world, O Ephraim. And is not mine adversary the prince of this world? For mine adversary, saith the Lord, did buy up armies and navies, Pharisees, Sadducees, high priests, presidents of priesthood, that all that he may reign with blood and horror on this earth. And how is it that ye, and how is it that ye are different than they, O ye stiff-necked and perverse generation, who have also been deceived? For it hath been a requirement of mine anointed in all ages of the world to descend below all things. And how are these things possible if it is that he does not descend below the generation in which he lives? For woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, and blessed are you when all men shall revile against you falsely for my name's sake. For so did their fathers unto the prophets who were sent even unto them, Ephraim. And did I not, and did not I, the Lord God, say through the mouth of my servant, Woe unto him who is at ease in Zion, yea, woe unto him who is, saith, all is well, yea, all is well, Zion prospereth. And are not these thy words at this time, saith the Lord God of battles and burnings? Yea, what meanest thou, O man? Was not my servant Nephi a prophet also, when I, the Lord God, did move, did move upon him by the power of my spirit, which is as a consuming fire, which did cause even his mighty frame that it should quake from the power thereof? For he... Even he did prophesy of thee, O Ephraim, or ye that call yourselves Latter-day Saints, even at this time. For it is that I, the Lord God, have known the end from the beginning, even before the foundation of the world have I known thee. Therefore repent, repent, lest unhappily ye find yourself in that torment which shall consume thee as a consuming fire, O ye rebellious children, who are full of iniquity. For hath it not been written, that by the weak and simple and the despised things of the earth, that I, the Lord God, would thrash the nations by the power of my spirit? And are ye not a nation unto me, O Ephraim, that ye should come out of her, even Babylon, and take thy place among the nations as a queen that thou art, O Ephraim, Ephraim, my beloved, from before the foundation of the world. For thou, even thou art my beloved, saith the Lord God of Israel. For was it, was it not that Enoch was slow of speech, even that the people did hate him? It did not my servant Moses stutter, and this because of his meekness before my people? And was not my servant but a boy when he did slay Goliath? And was not 
my only begotten considered to be the least in the kingdom of heaven by them that who thrust him out and would not feed him, that he wandered alone in the desert without friend among men, being tormented because of the exquisite truth and power which was his to wield for the salvation of mankind. And they did crucify him, O man. And thus the warfare which, which began before the foundation of the earth, or of the world, hath it not been, been continued here, O man, against the holy priesthood of the Son of God, and shall not be ended until one or the other is bound and driven from off the earth. But them who did serve me, saith the Lord, shall receive eternal life. But them who do serve me, saith the Lord, shall receive eternal life with the Father and the sons and daughters of God. But them who hate me, saith the Lord, shall receive eternal death and shall dwell with the devil and his sons for all eternity, if it should be that they will repent, not repent and be obedient unto mine ordinances, saith the Lord. And their worm dieth not, and their torment is as a lake of fire and brimstone. And the end thereof no man knoweth, save he shall be made partaker thereof. And this key, saith the Lord, I give unto thee, O man, that ye may be able to detect and discern any influence, whether it be from that evil one or by my spirit, saith the Lord. And that which causeth your souls to expand and to believe in the sons of God, ye may know with a perfect knowledge that it is sent by the gift and power of God for the salvation of the sons and daughters of men. And on the contrawise, that which doth cause pain and distress of soul and despair, and that which causes you, O man, to turn away from the God that made you is not of me, saith the Lord, but is of that evil one. So I'm going to end it at that. We're at 32 minutes into this reading as it is, and I have to go to work. So thank you for listening. I'll try to get part two up probably sometime this week. Okay, all right.
right now. Part of the design. 